Welcome to the final edition of our in-between episodes. As we continue to celebrate Nexus PMG's seven-year anniversary, today I have the great pleasure of interviewing Roshan Vani, COO and co-founder. Listen to Roshan share his story of Nexus PMG's early beginnings to where we are today. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to the last installment of our special 7-year anniversary series. I'm your host Raj Daniels and today I have the pleasure of welcoming back our COO and co-founder of Nexus PMG, Roshan Vani. Roshan, how are you doing today? Good Raj, thanks for having me back on. Roshan, thank you for being back on. Roshan, as you know, I like to open the show by asking my guest the following question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? You know, I uh I was expecting this question and uh um you know, ahead of this call I actually asked you what did you think it was interesting about me? Um I actually struggle to answer this quite a bit. My uh my wife uh gave me a bunch of ideas and a lot of those were around my personality and I guess my tenacity to figure things out and get things done and you kind of reiterated that um you know, I I I think for me, one one of the things that maybe I find interesting about myself is um, I have a crazy desire to travel. Um, you know, when I when I graduated, I actually had a really great job opportunity uh, in in Maryland, but I ended up getting into the EPC world uh, specifically with Bechtel um, because they basically granted me the opportunity to go build big things um, and travel the world while doing it, and I thought that was a really interesting um, proposition for someone like me. And that, that was something that drove me. And so, you know, the, the first 12 years of my career, I actually moved eight times across those 12 years with a good mix of um, field home office assignments um, along with uh, in an international assignment, which for all the listeners that have listened to Ben and Paul, I, uh, I was joking with Raj ahead of this. I said, I'm going to struggle to answer some of these questions because Ben and Paul took all the great low hanging fruit on a lot of our story. And so um, forgive me if it's uh, somewhat repetitive to the other, the other guys interviews, I have the unfortunate uh, um, event of going last, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I did it alphabetically, so no favoritism, but I want to go back to that travel thing for a moment. You know, this desire to travel, where did it come from? I, you know, I, I, I think for those of that know me really well, I, I spend a lot of time um, thinking and trying to find correlations. And I know it's one of the things that drives probably my wife nuts the most, because I'm always trying to figure out, you know, you go back to my personality. How did I, how did I get that, that inquisitive nature that I have, the, 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 the desire to research the hell out of everything to the nth degree. It's just something that's weird about me, but um I don't know where my desire to travel comes from. I know, you know, mom and dad were pretty good when we were young. I don't, you know, outside of maybe going, we, I grew up in um, Maryland and we had the the mountains two hours to the west and the beach two and a half hours to the east. So outside of just kind of going to the ocean every summer for, you know, a couple of days, um, my parents were pretty good about any like major trip, not to the same place twice. And so they always, you know, we, we took a couple of international trips and, um, you know, we would take lots of road trips around the United States. So maybe it, it, it stems from that. Um, 
But I, I don't know. For me, it's just the idea of staying in in one place for so long um, seemed to get boring. <laughs> yeah, I like I like to change and mix things up, and so that's uh, um, that's kind of comes back to my personality, I guess. Well, that is interesting, and thank you for sharing that. So, Roshan, I'm going to take a left turn here. Take us back seven years ago, July 2013. Where are you, and what were you doing, professionally speaking? Yeah, so, you know, Ben and Paul talk quite a bit about um, us being in Saudi Arabia, and I know Ben gave some background on on the um, the project we were on. Um, and so I think a lot of that part of that story has been been told. What I'll, what I'll try to do is actually go take it maybe a couple of steps backwards for a second um, and maybe tell the story leading up to when, you know, Ben specifically in his interview, I know he spoke to me walking in the room with Ben and Paul and saying, um, you know, let's go. And so, you, you know, we're, what's maybe an interesting statement to add to the last question is, um, and tying it back to my personality is, don't tell me I can't do something. And I think for anyone that's in a large corporate environment, and I think we're going to see this change over, you know, the next several years, um, especially if you look at the pandemic and how quick corporations have had to implement and move um, everything from restaurants having to implement um, delivery and curbside pickup within a week. You know, they move like a startup, which is really interesting. Um, but I, I struggled with my personality in corporate um, because I always want to tinker and try something different. I, won't, I don't believe that um, simply because we've done it one way that that's the right way to do it. And so I, I uh, without, you know, sharing, that does get you into trouble sometimes, you know, um, <laughs> to, <laughs> there's probably stories I could tell over a round of beers, maybe not necessarily on a podcast of some of the troubles that I did get into with with that portion of my personality but that that specific example and ben actually does know the story he didn't want to throw me under the bus but i was doing something that was deemed by by uh, my organization as maybe not a hundred percent of what they would approve of and it's one of the things that i you know maybe when we get to some of the other questions i'd like to say how nexus can be different um but Effectively, I was I was told that I should stop doing what I was doing, even though it was adding value to others. And and that frustrated me to the point where and Paul talked about this a little bit. You know, Ben, Paul and I were kind of all cut from the same cloth on work hard, try different things. And with the end goal of doing right by your client and doing quality work. And, you know, there was a moment in in my career. And, and what's actually funny and Ben and Paul actually left this out is you know, they were trying to get me to leave for several months. And I had this mindset of, um, and I call myself an accidental entrepreneur. And we can talk about that a little bit later where, you know, I, I definitely have a lot behind me and driving me, but I, I wanted to be, you know, a senior vice president. I had ambitions within a large corporation. Um, and unfortunately for me, just, I think with how I work and my, my, my thought process around procedures and certain things that I'm not really cut out to be in a corporate environment. And, and in that particular moment, when that happened, um, you know, basically walking in the door and picking up where Ben's story, you know, um, started effectively, you know, walking in the door and saying, all right, guys, I'm ready. Let's do this. And so Ben and Paul had been trying to figure out 
not trying to figure out, we all had kind of an idea of taking big company processes into the middle market effectively was was one of the first um, data points of what we were trying to accomplish. And I know Ben talked about it from um, if you know if you really explore the landscape of what happened in that 2008 to 2013. I mean, a lot of the large EPCs were going overseas. There was no real big mega projects that were being executed in the United States. And um, there was quite a few mid mid-sized EPCs or single trade um, E&I contractors or piping contractors that it really grew in the void that was left when the bigger uh, EPCs went overseas and they grew from you know, big round numbers, 150 million, let's say to 750 million in revenue. And with that kind of growth over four or five years, there's there's definitely a need for processes, even though I just got done talking about processes and how they drive me nuts. But, um, you know, and the idea was to take those big company processes and thought processes on how do you execute these larger jobs and kind of bring them into what we deemed at the time the middle market. Um, and as Ben or Paul, I can't remember, speak to, what we quickly learned is is EPCs, um, no matter how great your mousetrap is or how innovative you know you are or how you think about risk, it doesn't really matter because internally there's a there's a thought around you know we we hired for that they sh- our team should be able to do it and you're just not going to be able to kind of penetrate that and so I thought we did a really great job pivoting um, you know and maybe that's one of those key values that we talk about towards the end of the podcast is, you know, be, being somewhat nimble and, you know, you may be on the right thread or have the right idea, but if the market doesn't really want it, then it, it, it's okay to take a version of that and pivot. And so um, that, you know, that was basically the original idea is let's, let's go consult in this space. Um, we are a services business and that's what we had to offer the market. Um, I think the only other thing that the other guys didn't really talk about was our software product, Cloud EPC. And funny enough, um, that kind of starts with the same story, which uh, Ben Hubbard told me, um, I bet you you can't build a earned value database and (laughs) hold my beer and watch this. And so Cloud EPC actually started as like a as a dare um, by telling me I couldn't do something. And the first version of it was actually built in in an access database, but it, it stemmed from the idea of, and you can kind of read the story a little bit more in, uh, in one of our blogs on our website. Um, but the, the idea that, you know, why would I hire um, three young fellows in the construction industry? I got boots older than you. And so the idea of, of risk, um, risk analysis and data management and leveraging your data to make you better was the original value proposition. Um, and we've kind of grown quite a bit since then. So that was kind of the envision for Nexus. I mean, I don't think any of us would have predicted where we are today. Um, but I think what we all believed in is ourselves and our ability to work together as a team. And I think, you know, Paul speaks to, you know, bringing on some key folks that really helped us continue to reshape the business and to where we are today. So, um, you know, I think for us, for those of you that are aware of the the term, the the startup valley of death, you know, I think in those early years, it was just figure out your market fit, figure out what you can you can do and survive the valley of death. So and that in those early years, that was really what it was all about is just, you know, constantly changing and 
testing the market to figure out, you know, how we fit where the, the demand really was and how we can be different. And Ben speaks to that in his a little bit on, you know, how we do feel like we're different and what we've built isn't easily copied. And that was another big part of what we believed in the early years is there's a lot of consultants in the space. But one of the things in year one and two we talked about a lot is we wanted to issue reports with our logo on it. We wanted to be an independent entity to our clients. Um, and we actually turned down a few assignments in the early days where it was it was effectively what we always called, you know, back in back in those days, we weren't we were we're not a body shop. We're not a project management body shop. And there's a lot of that. There's a lot of people that build great businesses by doing that, by finding resources and placing them on a on a project, you know, as like a as effectively as a middle middleman between um, clients and um, and um, the owners. But that for us, that was a big part of what we didn't want to do. We we wanted our own brand, our own brand identity, and we wanted to be an independent voice in these um, in these projects. So. So. You took us back to where you were in 2013, and you answered my next question regarding, you know, what you, Ben and Paul, envisioned for Nexus. I'm going to fast forward a little bit to 2018, 2019, to the pivot to zero carbon and low carbon initiatives. Now, was this another situation where you were challenged and you said, hold my beer, watch what I can do? Um, It, it was... These questions are hard because it's 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 never black and white, you know. It Ben Ben did a really good job kind of explaining that one meeting where we really made the decision, but I think up until that point if you looked at the data and and I think he did a good job really expressing it where we we did we believe in 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 sustainability. We absolutely do as individuals as leaders of this company. I mean, you know, I'm a I'm a composter. I like compost at home. I, I'm a gardener. I believe in it, but we, we're also, you know, entrepreneurial um, at heart, and we we wanted to build a sustainable business. Um, myself, Ben, and Paul are also heavily data driven, and I think if you looked at the data, and Ben kind of speaks to it. I mean, we'd be lying if we said we didn't believe the markets were moving in this direction. And so, from a pure business perspective, you know, first and foremost, I mean, we. We absolutely believe this is where the markets were shifting. I mean, if you just looked at even and, and we made a conscious decision to stay away from solar and wind because we felt like we were late to the party. Um, but if you just looked at the cost of of solar, if you looked at where the money was going, the fact that, you know, in that 2013 kind of time frame, you had big traditional banking offering products into the market um, really told you something that, you know, venture capitalists and the higher risk investors were moving on to something different. And quite frankly, the data that we had and the types of projects we were working on was that they were moving into these other alternative energy, alternative infrastructure sectors in, in the low carbon sector. And so for us, it made a lot of sense because, and I talk about this on on the other podcast I recorded with you, you know, the, that's what we were more suited for anyway. You know, we we came from large energy, more complicated processes and being able to apply our skill set into biodiesel um, densification around, you know, wood products, wood pellets specifically, you know, those types of things gave us um, an edge to use our 
a lot of the skill sets we learned in heavy, you know, uh, traditional energy infrastructure and apply those to a market that was just kind of finding itself and needed the organization, needed the the detailed level planning, um, needed the system, needed the, the original idea behind cloud EPC and needed all of those things. Um, and we, you know, we had the processes, we, we tie it back together. We brought those big company processes into the middle market just in a different way. Right. Um, and so um, leading up to that specific meeting that Ben was, was referred to, you know, it, there was murmurs of it. We had already been talking about it. We had a small segment in oil and gas. If you looked at, we, we do a lot of metric-based analysis types of projects we're already working on, you know, the client base, how much of our clients are repeat business. Um, and you looked at the data and a large chunk of that pie chart was in this alternative sector. So it made a lot of sense. Why not go all in into this sector? There was at the time, you know, not a lot of players in the market. So from a business perspective, it just made a lot of sense. Um, and it, and then you couple that with the triple bottom line and it made even more sense. And so, it, you know, when, when the stars align like that, you, you jump on it as quick as you can. And, you know, I talk about pivoting a lot and testing and trying different things. And, um, you know, that day in the, in the, in the room, when we made that decision, the, the biggest concern was, was around, you know, what about the clients that we're already working with? And that's kind of the, the 2021 target. So by January, 2021, we wanted to be out of oil and gas completely and not, you know, and so that, that gave us a, a window to ramp down and not just leave our clients hanging. It gave us an internal target to say, okay, from this day forward, we're not going to take any new assignments. And when we hit the ground running in January, 2021, and oh, by the way, you know, March of this year, we were, we're basically out of it. So we actually beat our own internal target, but, um, and we hadn't taken on any, any, any project since that, you know, Q4 of 2018, when we made the decision. So it's something that we're really proud of for sure. And, you know, all the different events between data and our own personal beliefs leading up to that meeting, um, to make that decision, you know, it, it was actually quite easy at that point. It was, we believed in it and we saw the numbers and the market and the data was telling us this is where it was going. So, um, and then Ben elaborates a lot more on, you know, how we approached our clients and it was actually quite amazing to hear their feedback. So. So I have a specific unique question for you. I know your love of technology, being a technologist in the zero carbon, low carbon initiative space. Is there a technology that has particularly intrigued you and which ones are they? I don't think it's going to. So what interests me more, and I, I hate to use the same answer I gave on episode 24, by the way, if anyone wants to go back and listen, I got to get my plays up. Ben and I have a competition. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, what I think is the idea of decentralization as being a much more interesting thing. Cause I think there's going to be lots of different solutions, you know, dropping a couple of other names on, cause you know, I'm an avid listener of the podcast. I listen to every episode. Um, you know, the, the idea behind um, Bonnie and what they're doing and tracking, tracking water flow and, and what they're going to be able to accomplish with working with centralized um, water treatment and the local counties. And then that pu private par public partnership on how that data, again, as a technologist, that that's not really a complicated sensor, but the data platform that they're building 
becomes really interesting, right? To be able to track water flows and and all of that and how that data can be used for master planning um, at a city level. But then also in just waste waste management, there's, you know, is are there ways we can we can solve that by taking some of the pressure off of the waste haulers themselves through composting? And so what what I what I like is the idea of decentralization and each one of those major verticals, there's going to be five different things that are going to solve those problems of um, energy generation, energy transmission, water transmission, you know, all of the things when you think about infrastructure, it's no single thing. That's what excites me the most. And I think when you take that up a level to the amount of jobs it's going to create across, you know, across the, the entire spectrum of energy and infrastructure, um, that gets really interesting. So, you know, thinking about how do you convert, you know, upgrading a bunch of big refineries and taking that same same kind of workforce and creating 20 years worth of jobs, rebuilding our infrastructure um, to be more sustainable is is probably what excites me more. I, I keep I like to, you know, solutions are constantly changing, you know, different. The science behind it is always kind of the same. And there's kind of different companies that that do things really well from a cultural standpoint um, and from an implementation just slightly different but you know pyrolysis gasification you know they're all kind of different versions they're the black boxes are just slightly different um, that's a little bit unique to each company in terms of what feedstock they put in but the idea or the like the, the macro view of of decentralizing and kind of going back separating that and what am, I, what am I trying to think of here? But uh, the the idea of just kind of breaking that from one large entity having to deal with the entire burden of of our waste or understanding, you know, where do we go upgrade our pipes or and taking that and leveraging technology, um, both from a data software as well as a hardware and, a, you know, a clean tech perspective, um, simply to rebuild our infrastructure is what excites me. And that's a you know, that's a 20 year, 30 year horizon. Right. And that's, that's fun. Um, that that's going to be interesting. It's a big, complicated problem to solve. So staying on the theme of decentralization, and I think you were talking about disaggregating the technologies also, it looks like you take a very thematic approach to the way you view things. What are some of the valuable lessons you would say you've learned along the way? Um, so what one of the big ones for me that I'm still trying to figure out how to um I guess pull back on a little bit is never say no. Um, you know, when I talk about moving eight times in twelve years, there was a lot of yeses in there from big corporate asking me to go take a field assignment on a project to um, you know, coming back to the home office to do something different and work with an engineering task force to taking on some overhead projects and so you know, when I when I look around with, you know, some of the folks within Nexus PMG and, you know, um, some of the innovative things that we're doing, there's definitely an element that I, I see a version of that in in a couple of, you know, quite frankly, most of the folks here. And so the the idea of never saying no to try something new and different is, is definitely in my DNA and Ben's DNA for sure. Um, Paul's as well in terms of, you know, quite frankly, all of us. It, it, it's kind of no matter where you go within the company, I think that idea of like trying something different is is 
definitely part of who we are. And I don't think you can manufacture that. That comes back to the culture statement. I think Ben was, was um, talking about. And so that's, that's, that's a big one for me. The, the other one that I've been spending a lot of time on and I think I'm getting better at is um, really becoming self-aware of who you are as an individual and, and, you know, audit, audit your life, audit your skill sets and just recognize quite frankly, you know, what you suck at. I mean, there's no other way for me to put it because, you know, when, when I think about myself and some of my own weaknesses, um, you know, by, by teaming up with other individuals within the company or just owning the fact that there's, you know, you know, these are my weaknesses and I, you know, I scaffold with, with other team members. Like I don't, you know, that, that has allowed, I think me and others within the company to really like flourish where once we start leaning on each other as a team, the, the idea of one person having to do it all and be the end all be all of any organization or as any, you know, in any team is just crazy. And I, I think in the most recent blog, I kind of talk about that specifically from a team dynamic perspective is, you know, Ben, Paul and I are all very different. When we started this company, you know, we leaned on each other's strengths. Now in the early days, we all wanted to be involved in every decision. And I think I say that in, in the blog as well, where once we became okay with letting go and trusting in each other, we were able to get three times more work amount of work done. And so, um, and when we needed help, we just asked for it. And so that that idea of auditing your own life and your skill set and just kind of recognizing what you suck at, I think, is a is a pretty powerful thing. I mean, it it really once you kind of accept it and own it, and then you you can you ask for help. I think it really kind of opens up your own perspective. And um, you know, the reality in in life and especially in business is that there is a it, it, it's all a team game. And so, you know, working with the team around you to to grow an enterprise, to grow a business, to, you know, even even in your personal life to, you know, kind of admit your faults with with your, you know, significant other or or even your children to just kind of figure out how do you how do you all grow together and then just kind of work together around your faults on um, it really just strengthens a relationship. Those are some great lessons staying on the topic of auditing and recognizing. Where do you see Nexus in 2025? So, you know, we we have our five-year and our, you know, our longer vision plans. I think Ben and Paul, both in their episodes, talked through culture, scaling culture, and building something which is very difficult in a services business that's not repeatable or hard to replicate. Um, and so, you know, I won't repeat a lot of what they say. I may take this question and answer it a little bit def- differently on what would make, if if I were to look back or if I was in 2025, you know, a couple of things I would like to have seen happen as like as a softer win, maybe is a better way to put it, than, uh, you know, invested in 25 projects. You know, I know Ben and Paul actually both talked to putting our, mo- our own capital into projects um, and becoming, doing more on that side. And Paul talked about how we kind of own the entire life cycle of a project and really being recognized as the lead in alternative technology where I would start classifying some softer wins in 2025 um, to add a different layer. And this is, I, I would, I would like to see a couple employees actually come to Nexus PMG with an amazing idea, own it, 
even maybe potentially make a small business plan around it um, and either spin off and go do their own thing um, with us as a support function or, um, you know, Nexus PMG creates a new business line. Um, you know, when I think about the story that I told at the beginning of this podcast and kicking in the door and I don't think I can kick in the door. I don't, I'm not that agile, but <laughs> you know, you know, walking into Ben and Paul's office and saying, all right, I'm ready. Let's do this. Right. That frustration, that boiling point of the spark that created Nexus PMG. I would love to say we were a part of creating something new and we fostered a culture and an environment where, you know, two businesses were created out of this, three businesses were created out of it or a business line even was created out of it. I think that from a software side would be, would be something amazing to look back on and say, holy crap, you know, that came out of this other idea. And so I, I think that would be really interesting. And, you know, a version of that also is, you know, we're doing more creation of our own patents. Um, we, we have and own our own IP in, in different technologies, you know, so I, I think, again, that's the, the hardware, software, software in me, the, you know, hardcore technologist, if you will. I think there's a lot that we can do and in the markets that we play in to get um, to do you build up more IP in those sectors and, and really, really own the market like the other guys were saying and you know, even deploy our own tech into the space. That would be that would be like that long term horizon of I think what we could work to um, in the. In the that was a 2025 question, right? Correct. Yeah, so that 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 kind of excites me to just give a different perspective on the answers that have already been given. Um, you know, I think that also plays really well and runs in parallel, quite frankly, with the idea of um, what we are setting as goalposts for ourselves in terms of investing our own capital into projects. You know, developing our project, our own projects, um, and leveraging that you know, what we've built to date to, you know, if you want to call it a, an engineering engine, um, a development engine to, to create new projects and, you know, develop in this alternative energy sector. I think that plays right into there and, and runs in parallel, but gives it a slightly different perspective or answer. So that's, that's where I would, I would love to see us uh, migrate into. Well, I think it's great to hear a metrics driven guy speak about a softer vision or a softer wins. And I look forward to working shoulder to shoulder with you to help you paint that beautiful vision. Is there anything else you'd like to add, Roshan? No, you know, I, I, I did. I, and sometimes I forget because you and I work so closely together. But, uh, you know, the there is an element of this story, you know, when you go back to 2018, 2019, um, that I didn't really touch on. It's probably worth talking about. And you kind of remind me when you said touching on the softer side. But it's kind of funny when we made the decision that we wanted to go into this alternative energy sector. That was also the moment in time we made the decision that we needed to tell, tell our story to the world and not just our story, the, the story of the sector. And no one really talks about the birth of bigger than us. Um, and no one actually, I, I think it's worth mentioning. I mean, the idea of build, building the, we call it internally, the media empire that we're trying to build is different. It's very different in this sector and it's worth talking about. I mean, you know, it, I, I remember one of the initial conversations around what, we, what we're what we trying to build here. And I know Ben had mentioned some of the things that are coming down the pipe 
around the educational side. Um, but, but in that first kind of meeting on like, how do we do something different, telling our story and other people's story. And this was even before a podcast was even really envisioned. It was, I, I remember being sitting in a room with a client and them asking a bunch of questions and were amazed at all the things we were doing. And that was the original light bulb that was like, we have to do a better job telling a story of our story, what we're doing. And then quite frankly, the, the market story on what others are doing, because it, it really is, is going to be amazing. At this point, we were just really getting the data I and mean, we were seeing the money flow into these sectors. It was, it was clear as data to us. But, you know, when you talk to others, you know, I, I remember actually one of my mentors, I was mentioning this too, was, Oh, we tried doing stuff in biomass, you know, in 2005, 2006, and it never worked. It's like, yeah, well, that was like 10 years ago. Like, you know, it's it's changed quite a bit. Um, you should really look at it again kind of thing. And so that that was kind of the, the spark. And, you know, I'm really proud of what we're building. And so when I think about 2025, I think outside of, you know, building our own, you know, the, the answer I just gave, I, I, I am pumped to see what the the media empire, as we always joke, that we're trying to build is going to look like. So, you know, some of the things that we already got stood up and we're coming down the pike as it as it grows and as we watch um, bigger than us grow, it's going to be cool to look back and see, you know, just how uh, how explosive the growth is on on this side of the fence and and you know where the where this is going to go because I, Roger, I think you're doing an amazing job and I think the, the stories that you're you're telling add a lot to not just who we are, but um, just the market story. And that was, you know, in, in that circa 2017, 18, that was a big part of what we were trying to figure out. How do you tell the story? And I think this platform that you've been instrumental in creating is, is, is quite amazing, quite frankly. And so, um, yeah, that, that's the other thing I probably wanted to add to this discussion. Well, I appreciate that. And the last thing I'd like to add is that, what I love about the media empire idea is the intent behind it. And the intent of the podcast and the education piece is that from the podcast perspective, you know, we're really working to highlight, as you mentioned, all the individuals that are doing such great work in the sector. And the education piece that's to come is that how can we inform and educate all the way from, let's say, our, you know, our young children that are in elementary and kindergarten all the way through adults. You know, as you know, Recently, I've been communicating with a young man out of Canada. Um, his name is Kevin, and you know he's been really following the podcast well. And I sent him an email this morning, telling him that this is exactly why we're doing it—not only to highlight the individuals, but also highlight all the different entry points and all the different opportunities that people can engage in in this clean tech, green tech sector. So I really appreciate you highlighting that, Roshan, and I look forward to growing it with you. Yeah, shout out to Kevin. Got that email forward to me. Um, well, Absolutely. Appreciate you listening, bud. Thank you so much, Roshan. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. All right, bud. Talk to you later. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website nexuspmg.com and while you're there you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech 
green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.